بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير آمين رب العالمين Beloved brothers and sisters, dear students, dear listeners السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he accepts our coming here to this morning accept our sacrifice of sitting and make this extremely worthy for all of us I ask Allah azza wa jal that whatever is being said and shared that he allows myself and all of us to put into practice. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make what we hear and share not a proof against us, but rather a proof for us on the day of judgment. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whatever we are uh, came here to learn, came here to benefit, that we are able to inshallah hear something that will be in line with that. If you remember in the past now, four to five weeks, four weeks, we have been covering one hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inshallah, today will be the last portion of it. This hadith was a hadith related by Imam Muhammad and Imam Tirmidhi on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنْ يَأْخُذُ مِنْ أُمَّتِي خَمْسَ خِصَالٍ فَيَعْمَلُ بِهِنَّ أَوْ يُعَلِّمُهُنَّ مَنْ يَعْمَلُ بِهِنَّ Who is going to take from me? Who is going to take from Who is going to take from me and from my ummah? <coughs> five attributes. <coughs> And he will practice on those five attributes or teach someone who will practice on those five qualities, five attributes, five pieces of advice. And Abu radiallahu anhum, um, he presented himself and he said, I will, Ya Rasulullah. And Abu, or the Prophet وسلم, took him by his hand and he began to count those five. And he said, number one, uh, stay away from haram things, forbidden things, and you'll be the greatest worshiper. Number two, Be pleased with the one, be pleased with what Allah has distributed and set out for you. You will be the wealthiest of people. Number three, Be kind to your neighbor. Do ihsan towards your neighbor, you will be a true believer. Number four, Love for the people what you love for yourself, and you will be a true Muslim. And the last advice that we, inshallah, which we'll cover today, that do not laugh excessively, for indeed excessive laughter kills the heart. So, Abu Hurairah uh, took this hadith and he shared it, and now. You know, 1500 years later, and this morning we are speaking about this hadith. And we, uh, alhamdulillah, we had a whole uh, one session of ours dedicated to just simply how we should speak to people and speak to our children and speak to others as well. The way Rasulullah engaged Abu anhu, the way he held his hand, the way he pieced it together, uh, and the way Abu anhu was uh, presented himself and wanting to accept this opportunity to not only uh, practice on it But practice And teach others Who may practice on it MashaAllah So 
I wanted to mention one thing. The brother here, one of the brothers sitting here, told me something which was very heartwarming. It just gives you the the uh, un- gives you the understanding of the importance of all of us. When we listen to something, we should listen with the intention of not just practicing but propagating, and we should not shy from propagating. And don't think that who's going to listen anyway and who's going to benefit. And today, people don't care. That you know, we should not have that attitude. We do not know who's got a heart that is attached to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and Allah Azza wa may just make us a means of someone else's life changing. A person may say, "I'm a nobody. I'm at the bottom." So, you know, this is very common actually what I'm saying. People say, oh, I'm, if I come and listen, that's good enough. How can I propagate something? How can I share something when really I'm a sinful person? I mean, I'm not in no position to be sharing anything. But that's not what our deen teaches us. Share anything even if it means it's just one verse, one ayah, one hadith. Share it. And you don't know if someone else out there may benefit. Guess what? You get the full commission of it. You'll get the full commission of it. Even if you cannot practice on it yourself, you can't go for hajj because you don't have the means to. That doesn't mean you should not encourage people to go who do have the means. If they go for hajj, inshallah, you'll get the reward. So just this one brother here was just telling me this past Tuesday when we were discussing in our tafsir, something somewhere, someone is listening and it hits them in the heart. It was a reminder for me, the brother was sharing, of a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made dua he said that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brighten the face of that person who hears my hadith فَوَعَاهَ memorizes it retains it and then he propagates it فَرُبَّ مُبَلَّغٍ أَوَعْمٍ because there are many to whom the hadith is passed on to who are more capable of understanding, more capable of retaining, and we may add, more capable of practicing on it than the one who originally heard it. Than the one who originally heard it. So there's a person sitting with the ustad, he hears a hadith. person sitting in a dars, he hears a hadith. Okay, I got it. I don't know what it means, but it's nice. Let me just go pass it on to my wife. Let me just go pass it on to my children at home. They understand it better. They have a jazbah and a desire to practice it even more. So now what happened? The one, the original so, person who was the original narrator or the original uh, uh, a receiver of the hadith did not fully understand what he's got. He just got, but he got gold. He wouldn't pass it on. If you don't know how to, uh, you know, be a goldsmith and make uh, jewelry out of gold, we'll pass it on to someone else who can do it. Because many times the one you pass it on to may actually be able to do it better. So this is the beautiful hadith. Rasulullah is making dua for all of us. That may Allah keep your, uh, may Allah brighten the face of that man who listens to my hadith, memorizes it, retains it, and passes it on. And all of you now, what are you doing in this dars? In every dars you attend in any masjid, you hear ayats of the Quran and you hear a hadith of the Prophet. So this dua is inshallah applicable to all of us as well. If you sit with this intention, that I am sitting here this morning to inshallah take some notes on some hadith. And I'm going to try my best not only to practice it, but I'm going to share it with others as well. So this type of attitude and intention will bring in Rasulullah's dua for us. So anyway, so the Tuesday that the brother was saying, there's another person all the way in the West Coast, in, you know, far away from here, three, four, five hours by flight, who heard it, and he, something hit him that he spent the entire night restless. And the brother, he, 
has a very high paying job, 350 to $500,000 job. That's what he was saying. But subhanAllah, in the process of after whatever he heard, next day, the very next day of this week, after the tafsir, he went and resigned from his job. And he said, I don't want to be sitting in a job in which I have a, a person who I am reporting to, the vice president of the company, has a so-called alternative lifestyle, who follows the lifestyle of the people of Lut salam, and the nation of Lut that was destroyed, and is very proud of it and invites towards it. It's not befitting that I should be gaining my risk by, by, by reporting to such people who I feel are absolutely going against anything and everything this deen stands for. So he said, I told him, but what are you going to do? You such a, what are you, how are you going to provide for yourself? He said, Allah Azza wa Jal is the provider. Allah will provide for me through some other means, but this is not something that um, I want to be putting myself for the rest of my life. And I heard that, I said, SubhanAllah, who amongst us, even myself, start off myself, would be able to make such a big, bold step, just like that. You hear something, you say, done. I, I don't need this money. I'm going to go get it from somewhere else. But I'm not going to put myself in a position where I am reporting and uh, living, uh, you know, I, I am having to show respect to someone who is uh, absolutely disrespectful to the fitrah and disrespectful to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't, the gist of the story, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provide for him the very best in halal. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provide for him more than he can expect both in this dunya and as well as in akhirah for the level of yaqeen with which he made this decision and the husn al-dhan and the good expectation he had with Allah. Right? And this is what Rasulullah said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I treat a servant based on what he thinks of me. So if we think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of me because I'm making this huge sacrifice for Allah, then you will be surprised to what degree Allah will take care of you. And if we are skeptical whether Allah will take care of us or not, then that's what you get. You won't get the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instead, you will see that really people like that, they can't do anything because they're always afraid. What if I'm going to become poor? What if I, if I give sadaq, I'll get pure. Everything I'll do, I'll, I, will lose my, I will lose my shirt. And then such people don't get accepted to do anything. So the, the goal was that Abu Hurairah look at Rasulullah prepared him that who's going to take from me these words practice on it or teach someone who'll practice on it so all of us should listen to every dars with this intention that I'm going to practice inshallah and I'm going to propagate it to others who will even practice it you know beyond me as well so the last portion of this hadith if Rasulullah says do not laugh excessively for indeed excessive laughter kills the heart so I want to approach this from two, two ways one is you know obviously the hadith talks about excessive laughter so we have to talk about why and how excessive laughter kills the heart but along with that I also want to understand that some people may misunderstand this hadith that's why it's all about context we have to understand context if we do not understand context and if we just take hadith out of context then people can actually be misled anything taken out of context can mislead you a verse of the Quran can mislead you right so definitely the hadith of the Prophet also can mislead you so some people look at this and may think that being kind and nice with your family with your friends with your relatives with your siblings with your parents with your children with your spouse is something against Islam and that a person should always remain uh, you know very firm and should never be relaxed as our Ustad Manana Choksisa would say Basi Kari Pikara you know 
that some people are always abusan qamtarira he would say always angry and always um, tight-lipped and always frowning if you take basi kari means you take a, a yogurt that's gone off yeah? spoiled yogurt imagine if you drank spoiled yogurt what would happen to your face right if you accidentally drank spoiled yogurt Right? The face you'd make. He says some people walk around them like this all day. Right? As though they have just drank spoiled milk or spoiled yogurt and they're in a bad mood wherever they go. Do we not see that? We see that. And then the worst part is when you think that that's Islamic. When you think that that's part of our deen. That's a problem. That has nothing to do with our deen. Right? Our deen teaches us to actually smile. Our deen teaches us that the best sadaqah is to make your fellow Muslim brother happy. This is the This is the most greatest of sadaqah. If this is your Muslim brother, to make your Muslim brother happy is the best sadaqah, then what about your Muslim spouse? Or, you know, or just whatever, Muslim, non-Muslim, your spouse. Your child, your parent, your uh, sibling, all of those people. To make people happy is a huge portion of our deen. It is definitely a very big sadaqah. That intention should be, how many of us make that intention? That the intention today that I am going to try to make someone, or many people rather, smile. Um, And you can do that simply by making a nice comment, by saying something that it costs nothing. Our Ustad Suleiman Mullah would say that, you know, why there's generosity, you should be generous. Generous with your money. Yes, we talk about sadaqah, sadaqah, be generous, generous, generous. Feed people, spend on people. But he said there's another form of generosity which costs much less also, but also has high returns. There's generosity with your words. Be generous with your words. This is a big disease I know we may have is that some people simply cannot say one or two kind words. And it affects the people around them. Say, say a child goes up and your son, daughter, or someone's son and daughter goes up and, you know, a little kid goes, recites a nasheed, recites some Quran, gives a little speech. What should be the response? MashaAllah, good job. We all know that. I think we have the common sense to do that. Well, I mean, some people don't, but... That if a person goes up and says something, you know, you have to give them encouragement and build their self-confidence, even though they didn't do such a great job, but you have to give them props and you say, MashaAllah, A for effort, Alhamdulillah, great, <laughs> you know, and uh, you give them some words that will encourage them to f- try harder. You, we, we know we, we need this positive reinforcement. But this is not happening in all our families. I have youth who come and will tell me who subhanAllah her spirits are broken because simply their parents did not know how to follow this hadith uh, you know the aspect of sadaqah with words I remember long ago one, one young boy young man was, came to me and he was crying I said what happened he said you know I go play tennis and um, sometimes we go for you know tournaments and things like that so he was trained so naturally and then he goes for the tournament and he said sometimes I'm losing against my opponent and my mother will sit in the bleachers and uh, will root for my opponent and actually uh, c- call me out in, you know, publicly sitting in the bleachers like yeah this is what you get this is what you deserve and subhanAllah and, you know very educated lady very educated but it's common sense like who would do something like that but they do 
That's what I'm bringing it out here for, for us to understand that there's people who do such foolish things that they would bring down their child, right? They would be simply because they're angry that why is he not winning the tournament? So now we're going to push him down even further, right? And we're going to root for the opponent and say that, you know, good for you. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't you know, practice enough on Saturday morning, so that's why you should lose. So he was saying, like, my spirit's broken just because I can't believe if anyone else did that to me, it's fine, but it's my own mother. Uh, who, who speaks like that so what happens this is some sort of tough love apparently but this tough love is no good there's a place and, and a place for that this is definitely not a place for that so what a person needs to understand that it's the, the words of con- self-confidence words of encouragement go a long way in helping someone at the same time we also realize that don't, uh, don't allow this boosting of confidence to such a degree where a person has flaws and major mistakes and they are not getting a chance to fix themselves because people around them are always buttering them up. For example, I'll also say this, we have fathers who push their kids at a young age for everything, including let's start up a YouTube channel. Let's start up, we want you to start leading, you know, salah, you're not even baligh, just go start leading salah, right? Go, let's go walk around and say, let's participate in all sorts of Quran competitions. Let's go start up in, in national competitions, international competitions, and so forth. But they do not worry about their dini education besides that, simply because they know how to give adhan, or they know how to recite Quran. They think that my, this is enough for my child's survival. One, one, mashallah, very nice young boy here, a young man in our high school program. Uh, he made me so happy, mashallah. He said, he was telling me just the other day, I was mentoring him. And he said, you know, when I graduated from the Hifs program, uh, I thought I knew everything. And he said, you know, because that's the environment. He said, right after you finish Hifs, you just have a chip on your shoulder. Because he says, oh, you're the, you're the Hafiz and everyone's getting there throwing parties for you. MashaAllah, everyone is just promoting you all the time. And he said, he said, spiritually, the worst year for me was the year I finished my hips. Because wherever I went, I w- it was just getting a pat on the back and everyone was constantly massaging my ego. And I thought I was at the top of the world. I didn't really need anything. He said, a year later, when I started spending time with scholars over here and listening to talks and stuff, I started realizing I know nothing. All I've, all I've done is just one thing, I just memorized the Qur'an. I've memorized the words. Besides that, I know nothing of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How does that give me the, the license to think of myself knowing something? And he said that spending time with scholars, listening to their talks, etc. created within me humility and humbleness. And I said, you know what, I need to study the deen. And mashallah, he enrolled here to study uh, you know, the alim program. And uh, it's, you know, just the, the, we always hear about bad news. I want, to hear, I want to share with you good news. A young man, right? Young teenager. But he, goes with, he was going over his daily regiment with me. And I was so impressed. So impressed, mashallah. Every single day, this young man, mashallah, gets up at 3 a.m. Right? Praises tahajjud before going to sleep. But he said there's a reward of... Well, this is the hardest form of tahajjud. The hardest form of tahajjud is called salah bayna nomain. To pray salah between two sleeps. Meaning, you, you, you sleep... You wake up, pray tahajjud, and then go back to sleep, and then wake up for fajr. Right? So he said, well, that's the most rewarding. So he said, but what if I don't wake up? So he said, I pray my tahajjud before I go to sleep, and then I put my alarm for three, wake up, pray my tahajjud, do my dua, and then go back to sleep, and then I wake up and come for fajr. Come fajr with jama'ah. Right? 15-year-old. 
right? But look at the discipline, mashallah, he has brought into his life. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve him, protect him, allow him to grow, and allow all of us and our children, you know, to, to truly embody within us similar types of lifestyles and similar types of discipline within our life. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Change happens. Now, if that same, Allah blessed him, but otherwise, this is what he said was on point. Because usually this is what happens, that we have to throw these big parties and everywhere we celebrate, oh, my son is hafiz, my son's hafiz. It really gets to the kid's head. And or the daughter or whoever it may be. And then the aspect of learning doesn't happen there. So we have to strike that balance. It's very important to give tough love when need be, to give encouragement when we need, etc. But never to break someone's heart. Never, never to break someone's spirit. Always push them, encourage them. But at the same time, we have to be honest as well. We can't create, we come from an era of, you know, even in the global warming era, what's happening outside nowadays? It's always snowing. Uh, meaning all the kids nowadays are what they call them snowflakes. Snowflakes. No one can understand anything. Every single small thing. I'm be also be dealing with youth. Alhamdulillah, I have a very good idea of what's going on in the community. We have a, we, you know, when we're growing up, and all of you when you're growing up, you know, young, you know, men, you don't cry. Yeah, you're a boy, you don't cry. That's the type of mentality that was created. Now, if you have to cry, where you cry? You cry in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how the, the, the macho-ness and masculinity is created within people. Yes, there's, again, every single thing there has to be done in moderation. Right? So there has to be at times where you should be allowed to cry. Let me put it there as well. I have psychiatrists sitting here. I might get attacked. You know, I've got to be uh, you know, careful about this. But there, there's definitely times where a person needs to also vent. But I also want to put in here that the boys today also, I'm, I guess for girls too, I don't, I don't deal with them that much, but here the boys, is we're seeing that they emotionally are so weak. Because just in the past three weeks, I have had so many 18, 20, 22 year olds cry in front of me. And I'm like, what's going on with society? Right? What is going on inside? Every single thing you're going to cry? Like seriously? You know, so you, I can't handle this. Even after tafsir, after fajr, people come within 30 seconds, they start crying in front of me. My heart goes out to them, the problems that they're going. But hey, doesn't mean your dad never went through these type of problems. Doesn't mean your siblings didn't go through these problems earlier, older siblings. If there is something in the air, air now that our guys can't handle things, that's another issue. Our youth, they need to be seriously trained to become strong. And we have to sit down and say, son, you can't do this. You cannot pout or cry over every small thing. You have to be the leader of the house tomorrow. As a leader of the house, if you break down crying like this in front of your kids, ask how many times your dad's cried, my dad, your dad cried. How did we, how did we people go through crisis? Because fathers held it up. No matter what happens, you can do it with a straight face and you move forward. Even the most difficult day, with a straight face, they went it forward. So this generation, what are we going to do when they get married and have kids? If every small thing, subhanAllah, he bullied me, she said this, he said that, fulan, I'm going to start crying. What's going to happen? When I was in madrasa, 13 years old, first year in South Africa, I was being bullied. And things like this, many things, some of them were worse than the other. Anytime the dollar would go down against the South African rand, right? The South, there would guys would come and make fun of me, like, ah, oh, the dollar is going down, ha, ha, like that, right? It's just stuff like that. But I was 13 years old, away from home, away from everything. And these things would get me because I would say, why are these guys like bothering me? So eventually, I just couldn't take it. The, the, the principal got wind of it, Monana Shabir. And he found out that like, I wanted to leave Madrasa because I was after the following year because I just couldn't take the bullying. And uh, 
I remember he called me into the office. I mentioned this in the candlelight conversations in Ramadan. The detailed story is there. But in a quick 30-second one, he said he had come in 1998 to the to United States with Mawlana Sulaiman Mullah, those of you who are around. He came to IFS, he came to CPSA, he came to MSI, he came to Jamia Masjid, and he came to Kankakee, our, our uh, you know, home out there, original home. And so he said, I've been to your city, and I met your father, and I met, um, uh, you know, everyone, and he has plans to one day build a madrasa, he told me. My father had purchased some land out in Kankakee to build a madrasa, which we ran for six years, from 2000 to 2006. And he said, you want to build a madrasa? And you want to leave the madrasa because someone is making fun of you? What are you talking about? I'm 13 years old, but this is the tough love that he spoke to me at that time. I still remember, and may Allah reward him, bless him for those words. At that time, maybe it didn't sound the best, but I shared this with so many students of mine. All the time I share it, because that's what I needed to hear. He said, you're not going to be able to run any madrasa if you can't handle this. Running a madrasa requires you to have super thick skin. People will attack your honor. People will attack your um, credibility. People will do everything to break your heart. They will, uh, they will, they will um, falsely accuse you of things. And the list will go on. How are you going to be able to do anything if you are being, you know, if, you're, if this, you cannot handle this type of statements that you are hearing? It cannot be. If you've got some serious plans that you want to follow through, you have to build the fortitude and the patience to be able to handle this. And the forbearance. How many dads speak to their kids today like this? Let's be honest. The old generation, they say, go figure it out. That's what it was. So they overdid it. And the younger generation, that's it. That's what's going on. They're sitting there, you know, protecting them from every single thing. Even if the kid is wrong, no, he's right. Subhanallah. We, when we grew up, and we all, all of you who grew up in our generation, you know that. You're like, you'd, rather get hit, you'd rather get hit by your ustad than get hit by your father. Because if the ustad hits you, he will be merciful. But if he tells your dad that you're being out of line, oh boy, then it's going to be worse. So th- this, is the, this is the tough love we got. Subhanallah. And Mawlana, that doesn't mean that's all he did. Then he gathered the entire student body, all of them, which rarely used to happen. Rarely. He said, come immediately, leave class and come to the hall. So all the classes were canceled. And him and Hazrat Mufti Rada al-Haq, they sh- within, like, within an hour, all of them were canceled, were brought to a big hall, and I'm, we're all wondering some major guest speaker must have come. There was no guest speaker. It was our principal and our Shaykh al-Hadith. Mawlana Shabir, Mufti al-Haq. And Mufti al-Haq's face was red, and he was angry, and he gave a whole bayan against what? Bullying. And he said, how dare some of you have the, uh, the, the audacity to mistreat our foreign students who come from far and wide to come study here with the intention of becoming something and you all mistreat them to an extent that they want to leave. So both of them gave a, gave a really powerful, strong speech against bullying to all the student body and warned them not to do that. So they see they did that part too. But then right before that, the principal gave me a reality check as well that this is life, my son. You have to. Then he shared a hadith with me. He said, Hadith of Tirmidhi, if I remember correctly. He said, That the one who mixes and mingles with the people and then remains patient when they mistreat him is far better than the one who does not mix and mingle with the people, hence does not have to remain patient with them. Meaning, if you, if you, stay, if you stick with the crowd, if you stick with the rest of the general people, and, and you, you know, you're always with them, 
uh, you, don't, you don't have an elitist type of mentality to say, I'm just going to come for one hour, do my thing and leave. I don't need to sleep in the same dorm rooms with the rest of you because you guys are all trashy people, right? Then if you don't do that, then what will happen? You will have to be patient because naturally when you mix and mingle with the people, when you have pots and pans together, they will clash. You will hear things. So when you are with people, with youth, etc., when you're going to be hanging around with other people, they're gonna, definitely going to hear things that you don't like. We know that. Allah knows that. The Nabi Sallallahu knows that. But he's saying, it's better that you be with the people, and then when they say stuff that you don't want to hear, and then you be patient, you are going to be superior in reward than the one who chooses to stay away from everyone, and then hence doesn't have to hear anything that he doesn't like. And what was the Nabi? The Nabi was mixing and mingling with the people. Did he not hear abusive things? Did he not hear insults? Not only did he hear it, he had to face it. Psychological, emotional, physical, torture at the hands of the nation. All of them. Imagine that Nabi is being pelted, with, not only with stones, but swords and arrows are being thrown at him. His face is bleeding in the midst of the battlefield. And he's saying, Allah mahdaqoumi fa innahum la Oh Allah, guide my nation for they don't know what they're doing. And then it's in, How can a group of people ever be successful who are making their Nabi's face bleed? This is the Nabi saying in the midst of it. He is the one who practiced on this hadith. That he mixed and mingled. If he stayed, if he stayed in an ivory tower and just came down to, hey, I'm going to give once a week dars. That's it. Uh, then that's not how our Nabi was. You have to spend time with the people and that's how you bring change with it, the people. And yes, you, you will definitely face some, a lot of abuse as well. That's a whole different story. But what I'm trying to share with you here is that we have to combine, everything has to be done with i'tidal, moderation. That's why I'm giving this muqaddimah before I get into the hadith, وَلَا تُكْثِرِ الضَّحِكِ That doesn't mean we cannot laugh at all. It's talking about excessive laughter. But dealing with our children, we have to be smiling, we have to be... We have to become friends with them. And we have to uh, give them encouragement all the time. We have to build their self-confidence. We have to say things that they need to hear. But at the same time, understand that please, please, I beg all the dads over here, the younger generation, my generation, please do not create snowflakes. They're not going to do it. You are not, you're not this confident professional that you are because your dad made you into a snowflake. You didn't. You, know, you don't cry yourself. Why you allow your son to do that? You, you, you have thick skin and you teach, your dad taught you to be able to handle bullies, frankly speaking, not to run away. Teach this to our kids. Our generation needs to learn that, to learn how to stand up for themselves and not to say, okay, khalas, we'll, pull you out of, we'll pull you out from here, pull you out from there. I'm going to call this one, call that one. That doesn't work like that. You're not teaching your children anything if you do that, that dad's got your back all the time. No, dad's not going to be around all the time. You have to learn how to stand on your own feet and take care of these things. So this generation is losing it. That's why you have 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds sitting and crying. They've got, they got 4.0 GPAs. They're smart. But they have, do not have the emotional skill set to handle the world. And then you have this whole idea of just men no longer being remaining men and they're losing the, the, the house. The, the men are supposed to be the leader of the home. So what's happening over here? You have Mrs. Over, overconfident, mashallah, coming out from there. And you have Mr. Uh, uh, low Self-Esteem coming out from here. So what's going to happen to the house? It's all going to be fitna. And when the children see it all, that's who, dad has no power, control, has no way to handle the house. Because he's got no self-confidence, no self-esteem. And he's sitting there. I mean, just think about it. If, you're, if your dad was crying and your mom was, was screaming at home, and that's how, if you grew up in an environment like that, we wouldn't be sitting here, man. 
right? There was, this is not how it works. But this next generation, that's what's happening. So as fathers, we have to teach our children properly every single thing. If we have to teach our children how to wash their bum, then you have to teach them how to also be emotionally strong. Honestly, this is, I mean, this is my opportunity to teach this to the community. That's why I'm sharing it. And how often do we speak about this? When was the last time you heard this topic being addressed? Right? Think about it. How often do we hear the aspect of that? Create strong children. And so this is uh, my message to my own self and to all over here. That this is an issue that we are dealing with. I'm, on, as a first responder, dealing with youth who are not being able to handle small little things. Relationships. You know, uh, are, 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 are people, a lot of people come here, they make toba from their relationship. The girl's moving on. The guy's crying. Right? She's like, oh, you, you want to change your life? You want to become pious? You want to break a relationship? Okay, okay, Allah, find another guy. Uh, mashallah, look, you made toba, alhamdulillah. He used things, you, want, you need two days off from school because you're going through depression. I'm serious. Two days off from school. And I said, what about her? Oh, she's, she's chilling. She's followed, found someone else probably. Okay, this is the problem. What, what is going on over here, man? Come on, man. You're a man. What's, what is this? So emotionally, we become too weak. You agree with what I'm saying? You don't agree. What do you say? Amwadu? Huh? Right, this is, these youth ask them after that that's over, over uh, Kitchi Qima downstairs when eating. Ask them, hey, what is the Shaykh speaking about? Is this any truth to this? So the balance here is that we spend time jovially with our children in a joyous manner, keep them happy. And I'm going to share some hadith about that. Because uh, some people took this hadith out of context and they began to uh, be too harsh with their kids. And they said, we don't smile, we don't laugh. That's not deen. That is not deen as well. Especially nowadays, if you are too harsh with your children and you say, no, I'm going to raise my kids the way my parents raised me, that's definitely not going to work. Um, it's not going to work because there's something in the air. You know what's in the air? Re rebelliousness. It's like COVID is in the air. So bagawat and rebelliousness is in the air. It's like, you know, when you have the gas on, that's the last, the, you have to be so careful, you don't want to light a match. If right now, if I light a match here, nothing can happen. Light, the match will go on, it will light up on fire, and that's it. But if the gas was left on in the kitchen, and I go, uh, you know, light a match, the whole place is going to go on fire. Yes? Same thing. Today, what's in the air? Like you have gas, what's in the air is shaitan and nafs that is creating an environment of bagawat of absolute rebelliousness against all forms of authority, including parents. That's why we spoke about parents yesterday in the khutbah. Rebelliousness against parents. So what it is, you, they just need one opportunity, one strike, and I'm out. I'm gone. We see that. I see that everywhere. Before children would get hit physically, what was acceptable and what's not even acceptable. But no child in 16, 17, 18 year old would say, oh, that's it, I'm walking out, I'm, I'm leaving the house. You didn't hear that. Who did that? Chup chop, they just went to sit there, go quietly in their room and go to sleep. That was, that's how we grew up. This, you don't have to even hit. If you simply even say you might hit someone, before you finish the sentence, the kid's already out of the house. This is happening in all albums. And lo and behold, if someone does hit them, finish. The I deal with all the time with parents who broke down eventually because they found their kids doing the unthinkable. Haram, big haram. And then they broke down on their children. And that's it. Literally the children have left the house. It's been months. 
They have no idea where they are. Three, four, five months. Now they come, Shaykh, can you give me a dhikr? Can you give me a dua? How do I get my kids back? Wallahi, this I've dealing with so many of these cases. How did we get there, Yaqwan? Because mistakes were made in the earlier forms, uh, days of the tarbiyah. We should never have allowed it to come to this degree. Now that the, the cat is out of the, uh, the bag, the genie is out, you cannot put it back by hitting. You cannot put the genie back by hitting it in. You cannot put the jinn back into the lamp by hitting it. It's too late. He's standing in front of you. He's going to take you and put you in the, in the bottle. Right? That's what's going on right now. So there's, this is not the time of, of corporal punishment. It does not work at home. Does the deen give you the right of it? Nabi Alaihi says, at the age of 10, hit your children if they miss your salah. That's there. But subhanAllah, what does, the, what does Rasul Salaam want? He wants your children to pray. I'm telling you now, if you hit your children, they're not going to pray. That's what it is. The maqsad could they call Maqsad, the purpose is, the end result is we have to have children who fear Allah, who love Allah, who love Rasulullah, who follow the deen, who follow the sunnah. So we have to now utilize the means to get them to that. And that is through friendship. That is through mahabba. That is through love. That is through, uh, you know, uh, gifts. That is through all sorts of different ways to win their heart. Are my own asatida from an older generation tell me this, you know, all the time. That make sure you are kind with your children. Make sure you give them gifts. Make sure you spend time. This is not the time of harshness. This is not the time of, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, things of that sort, the way you were uh, raised. It's a different time. So keep, that, keep this moderation in there. That physically, it doesn't work right now. Our, you know, how many people who did hives got beaten so much while doing hives? You know, that was a different age. But now it doesn't work. But at the same time, don't also ruin their... Uh, ability to stay, stand on their feet as well. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. To give you a quick examples, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam, for example, I mentioned regarding um, <clears throat> one of the companions, uh, one of the fem- uh, she, she came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam and she said, Ask Allah azza wa to allow me to enter Jannah. He said to her, Ya umma falan, inna al-jannah la yadkhuluha ajuz. Oh so and so, Jannah, women, old women, do not enter. Old women do not enter Jannah. That's what she told, he told her. She began to cry because she took the apparent meaning of the words. Right? And then he responded to her, explained to her that no, when you enter Jannah, you will become a young, new creation of Allah. You'll become a young lady. Allah Azza wa says, Inna insha'nahunna insha'a. Allah Azza wa will create them again with a new creation that all the women and the men of Jannah will be young. There will be no old people in Jannah. And that was what he was, what he meant. Another man came and said, Ya Rasulullah, I would like you to please give me a ba'ir. I need a camel. I need to ride a camel. We're participating maybe in an expedition or something like that. Or he just needed, a, he didn't have means. Can you please provide for me a camel? The Prophet ﷺ said, I am not going to give you anything but waladun naqa. A, a, a baby naqa. Walad means child, right? I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a baby naqa. Ya Rasulullah, I need it for riding in the desert. What am I going to do with a baby naqa? And the Prophet then told him, What does a camel give birth to except for another camel? Every single camel out there is a baby of another mother camel. Right? That, that's what he meant over there. It was, it was just a light moment. With his, um, with his companion. 
Okay, another lady came and said, Ya Rasulullah, inna zawji yad'uka. My husband is asking you to come over. He said, who? Who's your husband? Ahuwa alladhi bi'aini bayad? Is he the one who's got whiteness in his eyes? He said, wallahi ma bi'aini bayad. I swear, no, no, no. He's got no such deficiency. He doesn't have any whiteness in his eyes. Rasulullah said, bala, no, no. Inna bi'aini bayad. No, he does. He does have whiteness in his eyes. Faqal, la wallah. No, wallah, he does not have. The Prophet said, there's not a single human being except that he has whiteness around his, around his eyes. Right? So she thought it's in the, you know, the center of the eye. And, uh, uh, and, and Rasulullah meant, of course, the area around the cornea or outside the retina. And uh, the, um, uh, the Prophet cracked that joke up with, it, with the Sahabi. Another Sahabi, Rasulullah went to him and he said, he's had a parrot. He had a young, young sahabi, <coughs> Anas radiallahu anhu mentions that Abu Talha had a parrot. Oh, sorry, um, Abu, um, Abu Umair, Anas radiallahu anhu said that he had a, uh, you know, uh, Abu Umair was a young boy who had a parrot, and the Prophet would come to him and say, Ya Abu Umair, oh Abu Umair, ma fa'ala nughair. What is, how is the nughair doing? He would use a word that would rhyme with Umair. This is the word for a parrot. Or a small bird, not a farhul asfur, small sparrow. And uh, one day, then, you know, he passed away and he, he was sad. So Rasulullah cheered him up, cheered up this young boy when he lost his pet. Okay, so um, there are many other instances. Another instance, subhanAllah, comes here of that um, Rasulullah saw that Sauda bint Zama and Aisha radiallahu were together. And um, uh, uh, Aisha radiallahu anha um, uh, Sauda radiallahu anha brought some food harira which is like um, uh, you know mince uh, you know flour mixed with milk milks with some uh, some fat etc and she brought like this paste and she said she brought it and so I told Sauda she told Sauda eat eat it she says no I don't want it so wallahi you're gonna eat it or I'm gonna put this plastered on your face Right, these are co-wives going at each other, and the Prophet was just laughing, and that's what happened exactly. You plastered on there of co-wives, you know, face. So the Prophet didn't get upset, didn't get angry. He says, "What do you expect? And these type of things are going to happen." So, so uh, the, you know, the, the laughter and 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 celebrating Eid. Abu Bakr Siddiq was there. Two young girls were singing on the day of Eid. Abu Bakr scolded them. Hey, why are you singing in front of the Prophet Rasulullah said, Da'huma ya Abu Bakr. Leave them, O Abu Bakr. Fa'innaha ayyamu Eidin. It's Eid now. And in one riwayah, it's mentioned, Hatta ya'lam Yahud anna fi dinina fusha. I want the Jews to know that there is fusha, there's kushadgi, there's openness in our deen. Our deen is not about being super angry and strict. Because there are some, let's be honest, there are some parts of other religious groups of people besides Islam. That part of the orthodoxy is just, you just gotta be super, you know, strict. Part, everything about the deen, orthodox Judaism, is so over strict. That's, that's what the, the Quran says. That Islam came to remove the shackles that were there on the past religions. Because their deen was just too difficult. They made it difficult for themselves. Islam is not meant to be so difficult. Islam, there is order, there's rules to follow, but there's a whole aspect of, of smiling and laughing and sadaqah and being forgiving and, and kind and, and, and so forth. It comes that the Prophet 
would sit with his companions and then when his companions would begin to speak about <clears throat> uh, things of the jahiliyyah like po- poetry of the jahiliyyah etc the Prophet would smile with them would laugh with them and he would participate in the discussions that they were having he's a Nabi of Allah he's got the busiest schedule but it, there's got to be downtime. It cannot always be work, work, work. There has to be downtime. You cannot be a bigger workaholic than Rasulullah, can you? You cannot be a more focused person than Rasulullah. Can we? No, we can't. But the Nabi والسلام, is sitting there simply as in our words, we say just chilling with the Sahaba, right? Just sitting there, the Sahaba are just speaking about other things. He's not even interested in it. But we need to make sure that we have this relationship with the companions. They should not think that we only when it comes to jihad, he's telling us. Only when it comes to giving donations and sadaqah, he's here. But then what about our, what about our downtime? To the extent that Rasulullah he said, <clears throat> a companion came, you know this story, Handallah anhu and Abu Siddiq came and said, we probably are what? Munafiq. Why are you munafiq? Because when we sit with you, we feel our iman at a high. But when we go back home, our iman goes down and uh, we don't feel the same when we go home and laugh and joke with our families. That's what we're supposed to do. So when you go home and spend time with our families, laugh and joke with our families, we feel our iman is not at the level that we have in your, in your company. Are we hypocrites? And the Prophet ﷺ responded, Ya he said, oh, alhamdulillah, if you were to remain in the same level of spirituality that you are when you're in my presence, at home with your wife and your kids, then you would not basically, in parentheses, you would, know, but you, you would not be called humans. You'd be something different. What would happen? You would have angels greeting you and shaking hands with you all in, in, in the footpaths and in the roads. Because why angels meet each other? We don't see angels. We're not angels. But angels see each other and they say salam to one another. So you would not be human. You would be what? An angel. If wherever you go, you're on the same state. Going home and not feeling the level of spirituality you feel in the masjid is what? Normal. Should you stop spending time with your wife and kids and joking with them? No. You need to do that. Alright? But there, why? Because you're a human being. And part of human being is that your emotions and spirituality changes based on your environment. There's a place for everything. At home, you should have, you know, crack up jokes and spend time there. Meaning, Take it easy, slow and steady wins the race. Sometimes like this, sometimes like that. It's mentioned about um, he didn't have any children. He did not have any children. So one day he told one of his murids, one of his students, he said, you know, I, miss, I, wanna, I enjoy the company of kids, you know, laughter and so forth. Please bring, please bring next time you come to the dars, bring your, bring your ch- son. So then the next time, his, the murid brought his son. But the son was like, mashallah, you know, the father had raised him. Like, but when he was two, three years old or four years old. So he came, he sat so properly, so properly, right in front with full etiquette, full adab. No laughter, no joke, just sitting like this, you know, in front of the sheikh, in the majlis. So after some time, Mulana said, I, I told you last week that I want to, you know, I want to spend some time with kids. You should have brought your children. Where's your son? He said, he's here. He said, yeah, he's not a kid. What is this? This is something else. He says, this, you have, this is not a child. The purpose of bringing a child is you have small talk, joke, this, that. He does runs around, messes around, plays with your beard, takes off your topi, right? And then you just relax a little bit. That's what I wanted to see. What is this? This is a, this is a small sheikh, short, midget sheikh, right? That's what this is. 
So, yani, what my point is, there's in that laughter, in that joking, in that shararat, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, there's, there's, there's fun, right? This is what's something that the mashayikh would enjoy as well. Because otherwise, you become too dry here. If you're all day, you're just doing dhikr, all day, you are just doing ibadah, all day, you're just focusing on the deen, then what happens? We really, uh, we, we won't be able, this is not our deen. They really, that's why change of place is necessary. Change of place, travel. You have the summer is coming to an end. The weather is still, you know, good. Just spending a time walking, going out of the house, going to the park with the kids. Um, I was, I mentioned this to people. That we have, we we're, we're such a blessed place, man. We have so many nice parks within driving distance. Five minutes, two minutes, three minutes. Uh, and people say, I, Alhamdulillah, I try to go very regularly with the kids and the family. But many times people don't know about that. They said, oh, well, we don't know about that. We just, this is the first time hearing about this. So nah, that's part of our deen. Every single day, go for a walk with your wife, right? Go, go for a walk with your spouse. Take the kids as well. Spend time, relax, crack jokes, do you know, things that will freshen you up. When you come back to do a vicar, when you come back to do your uh, chores, when you come back to do your office work, you will be fresh. Right, so it, our deen is just so beautiful that it teaches. When one of Mufti Taqi Uthmani, uh, he had an interview, and then his wife recently had an interview. Mufti Taqi Uthmani's wife, may Allah protect them both and their families. Uh, with uh, she had an interview with a fe- with a female scholar or a female uh, who runs this what Silla organization, I think it's called. Anyway, so they, they they do talk about the fact that Mufti Saab says, you know, Asr to Maghrib is a time for me to walk with my my wife. This is dedicated time every single day. That we go for a walk, right? No matter what happens, whatever interview, who delegation is waiting, fulan, 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 right? They're one of the most uh, uh, sought out scholars or humans, Muslims in the world. But it's like, this is the time, downtime between my wife and myself. We have to create that. That has to be present. Deen doesn't just teach you to, to, to neglect this. This is how comprehensive and beautiful our deen is. However, everything we're talking about moderation is that if a person now becomes a habit of Every place you're laughing with your mouth open, jaws open, and holding your stomach and, and falling over. That is not good. To such an extent, we know in our deen that if someone does that in salah, what will happen? Not only will our salah break, our wudu breaks as well. You have to repeat your wudu. Right? So this is a big thing. Excessive laughter of this degree. Tatta mazak, maskharapana. All the time just laughing, laughing, laughing. Right? That's not good. Because what happens, this is not the condition of someone who is remembering that he has to face Allah and he has to die. The one who has to die one day cannot laugh like this. The only one who can laugh like that is someone who's forgotten that he has to die. Right? That's why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Uthkuru hazimun ladhat al maut. Remember the destroyer of pleasures, i.e., death. Khushiyon ko khatam kar dane wali cheez ko yaad karte raho, yani maut. Rasulullah told us that. He said, Go visit the graveyards. It will remind because it will remind you of the hereafter. So this is where the moderation comes in. That late at night, 11, 12 o'clock, we're sitting with our bunch of friends and having our, you know, our our, our pan or having our coffee or our tea and sitting there just laughing out loud. And the women of the house must be thinking, "What's wrong with our husband, man?" And everyone else is the moms that, "What's wrong?" You know, thatta mazak bazaar pe bedkar, char payon pe bedkar, hokka pite we bas. You know, hasimazak, which is very common overseas. When you go overseas, you see that that that's what people are doing. But Twelve o'clock at night, majlis lagiye. They have a majlis. Everyone's sitting there, cracking jokes, laughing. That's not our deen. Yeah, you can speak the best Hyderabadi lingo. I don't care. But that's not deen. That has nothing to do with the deen. 
That's not called traditionalism. That has nothing to do with our sunnah. The sunnah is to sleep early, wake up early. And the sunnah is you spend time with your wife and your kids and you crack jokes, yes, and you have a But to sit there and hold your stomach and laugh, laugh loud, this is not the deen. فَإِنَّهَا تُمِيتُ الْقَلْبِ Because Rasulullah is saying, إِيَّاكَ إِيَّاكَ Beware, do not laugh excessively, for indeed it will kill your soul. It will destroy your heart. إِنسان کی روحانیت مر جائے گی It comes in one narration that abundance of laughter, it takes away the nur of the face. And I remember our Ustad has a Mala Muhammad Dudat Sahab, Damal Barakatuh, one of the elder Ustads in our madrasa. He would crack jokes like crazy in class. And he would be very sarcastic. But if we were, what happens if you crack a joke? You expect me to laugh, right? I'm going to laugh. If, if we were to laugh, he would, he would immediately say like this. You know how we have our amama, our turban, our underhead? He would say, put, put the end of your turban in your mouth. And, you know, clench your teeth on your turban. Meaning laugh internally. Don't let me hear your laughter. You get upset. And so we're initially, we're like, wait, he cracks a joke. We laugh, he gets upset. What, what's going on over here? But that's what it is. Qari Rashid, Dabeliya, Damad Barakatum. Oh my God, subhanAllah. Like literally, you hear, they're masters. They bring so many jokes in class that if, you, if, you, if we were to be allowed to laugh, we, our stomachs would hurt. But he, they expected us not to laugh. That we're going to crack that joke and you laugh internally. It freshes you up. In the middle, just say something. The kids are completely alert in class. There's no, there's no monotonous teaching. He would walk around, he would just crack jokes while teaching sarf. Boring sarf. But he would say stuff in sarf class to cheer people up. Because why? If you're happy, then you can memorize. If you're, not, if you're angry and upset, you cannot memorize your sarf charts. Such an art they had that they would crack jokes, but say, but don't, 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 please do not fall over laughing. Under hustle. And you know, hold, clench your teeth over the turban, over the amama. This is the beautiful teachings we learn from our asatida. And then they would say, because they, they simply say, Nur jara hai, nur jara hai. You're losing your nur of your face. You're losing the nur of your face by laughing too much. Tahajjud and looking into the Quran and reciting at time of tahajjud brings nur on the face. And excessive laughter, what happens? I know, I tell you as a madrasa student when overseas, I actually felt this. And all of you will feel it. You're sitting in this bayan right now. Alhamdulillah, if downstairs, you sit there cracking jokes so loud that the whole, everyone has to look at you to kya right? And then ask yourself, wait, hold on. Molana just said this, let me ask. You will actually feel your nur decreasing. You will actually feel your spirituality decreasing when you laugh a lot. Pakki baat. 100% I'm telling you this. Do you know, muhasab of yourself after you laugh a lot. See, how do I feel inside? And you'll feel hollow and empty. 100%. So it has to be done with what? Moderation is what we're saying. That's why Rasulullah never did qahqaha. He smiled, but did not laugh to such a degree that his mouth opened up. You could see inside his teeth or inside his mouth. That did not happen during the time of the Prophet. This was something he abstained from. Because it will take away the nur of the heart, it will kill the heart. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us such a beautiful deen that teaches us everything, including when and where and how to laugh. When and where and how to smile. Allahu Akbar. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this Islam, for this sunnah that has taught us something that no other faith group has. No other ethnicity, no other religious group. No one has what we have. 
And we ask Allah to grant us the ability to appreciate this deen, to appreciate the sunnah of the Prophet to allow us all to embody the teachings of the Prophet in every aspect of our life. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. I know it's late, the kitchen is getting cold, Mulana is waiting for me, but I still want to give an opportunity. Does anyone have any questions on this topic specifically? Yes, bhai. You told the son, and the son said that. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. So the yeah, the brother is making a khulasa comment, very good general comment of everything that we are excellent at teaching our children what needs to be done, but we are unfortunately not the best examples and role models of what needs to be done. And so when we, they see this dichotomy between what we preach and what we do, it causes problems. So if you're speaking to the child, for example, what we need to say is that uh, we, we, our deed is based on what Allah and His Rasul taught us. That's it. So if someone's parent is non-Muslim, what are you going to do about all these converts, mashallah, who are studying here, whose parents are non-Muslims? What are you going to tell them? Follow your mom and dad? No. They don't even have iman. But subhanAllah, they are, they are converts and they're studying in the madrasa here. For example, or whatever, you know, leading a life as a Muslim. So you have to tell them that your parents are not the gold standard. The gold standard is what Allah and Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam said. If they say something beneficial, take it. If they say something harmful, don't take it. So yes, you're right. Every his their actions are not corroborating with their speech. But every man is going to go to the grave with their own actions. You're going to have your own grave. Your mom and dad are going to have their own grave. So now make dua for your parents that they begin to practice on what they preach. Make dua for them. But you need to all cannot use that as a scapegoat to say because they don't practice what they preach, I'm not going. I'm going to do the same. That's what is the problem with today's kids. It's a scapegoat. Just blame the parents. Well, they don't practice what they preach. Oh, I'm not going to do that. How does one wrong make your wrong right? If they're going to suffer in akhirah, why do you want to suffer? Yes. Any other questions? Comments? Okay, inshallah. So, uh, Abu Adam, Amman Farhan, is that today? Yeah. SubhanAllah, our today's breakfast, uh, you know, was, was uh, sponsored by Brother Abu Adam. We ask Allah Azza wa to accept uh, his sacrifice. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant him shifa from any uh, difficulties he's going through. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant hidayah to his son. Uh, we has always, him and his wife always ask that we make dua for his, one of his children who hasn't accepted Islam yet. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant his son Islam and Iman and allow all his children to remain firm on the deen and all his grandchildren. Ya Allah grant them the very best in deen, dunya, qabr, and akhirah. Whatever duas uh, they are making in their homes, may Allah azza wa jal make them from mustajabu da'wat uh, and whose duas are always accepted. Uh, inshallah, next week, our uh, Tafim program uh, will recontinue this week. We have no Tafim program because it's a long weekend. So Saturday and Sunday class will restart next weekend. Um, so please consider joining the Saturday or Sunday class for adults. I also want to say the Sunday school, please, this, this is very important. The Sunday school is the lifeline for the public school going children. 
you in your neighborhood, whoever's kids are going to public school, uh, I encourage you to please get them to come attend here, ages 6 to 16. The beautiful thing about here is, mashallah, the, the teachers are all either alimas and alims or senior students of the alim program. The, where are you going to get an opportunity like this? Where your 10th grade girl has a, all of them, mashallah, on the girl's side, taqlim are alimas who are teaching. So it's amazing. Born and raised here, it's graduated from our institution or graduated from another institution teaching here. This is the best thing a 10th, 11th, 12th grader girl needs is a female scholar that they can connect with. So I encourage you to please get your neighbors to send their daughters and their sons to our uh, Sunday school uh, here. It's not taught by just volunteers who, are, who haven't gotten a chance to study the deen. These are all, mashallah, graduates or senior students of the Alim program who are who born and raised in this country, know the culture, know the issues, and can connect very well with our youth. So uh, that starts next weekend, uh, September 10th weekend, inshallah. Please spread that word for that. Uh, additionally, um, inshallah, another two weeks' time, two Sundays from now, we'll have Mufti Ibrahim Pandor, a senior scholar of uh, South Africa, and the Khadim for three multiple decades of Mufti uh, Mahmoud al-Hassan rahmatullahi alayhi inshallah who's going to be coming here uh, on Sunday night and he's going to do Sunday morning dhikr as well inshallah he's uh, one of the most senior ulama to be visiting our community from overseas may Allah make his travels easy and out afia uh, so this is an opportunity not to be missed so two weeks from now two Sundays from now inshallah uh, he, he will be uh, visiting um, and additionally we have community hours at the gym today after breakfast after you eat, eat, eat your breakfast you can go burn the calories so they'll have a open gym open volleyball and basketball and then on Tuesday nights we have our tafsir but we also have open gym for sisters 8 to 10 p.m. for girls basketball Wednesday is uh, boys um, uh, volleyball Thursday is me, uh, boys or men's basketball so these three uh, nights Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is for the community hours 8 to 10 p.m. Tuesday nights for sisters and of course, Saturday mornings also here now for the brothers. So share this message. Allow uh, this is a great way to build a community as well. Uh, from far and wide, people can come and, and, and benefit from that. Additionally, being a long weekend, you're going to have a lot of family and relatives maybe over at the house, get-togethers. Wherever you are, please go to the masjid for Salatul Jama'ah. Take your family with you. Even those visiting relatives who may not have the habit of praying, since they are in Chicago, in Chicago Sharif, take them to the masjid. Uh, right? And if you're near Darussalam, come visit or, or anywhere else. Uh, but make sure we try our best to perform Salatul Isha Maghrib in Jama'at, if we can, Dhuhr as well, uh, during these next two, three days. Let's increase our attendance in the masjid, not decrease it, since we are off from work and, you know, and, and not traveling, inshallah. Let us do a few minutes of dhikr before we conclude with the dua. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 
Astaghfirullah, 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 Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Allahumma anta salamun kasalamun tawarat ya adhal jalali wal ikram Allahumma laka alhamdu kullu wa laka shukru kullu Allahumma la nuhsay thana'an alayk anta kama athnita ala nafsik Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum ya ahad al-samad al-lazhi lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakul lahu kufuan ahad Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan ya badi'a al-samawati wal-ard ya adhal jalali wal ikram wal-izzati al-lati la turam Allahumma laka alhamdu inda tarfati kulli ayn wa tanafusi kulli nafas subhanallahi wa bihamdi adada khalqi wa rida'a nafsih wa zinati arshih تقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة بعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصوة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معشنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معدنا وجعل الحياة الزيادة لنا في كل خير وجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من دون ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم أن نعود بك من إبليس وجنوده اللهم أن نعود بك من شر أنفسنا اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قول والعمل والفعل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ألهمنا مراشد أمورنا اللهم ألهمنا مراشد أمورنا وأعذنا من شرور أنفسنا وأعذنا من شرور أنفسنا اللهم ارض اللهم يا حي قيوم من نسألك رضاك والجنة وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل ونعوذ بك من سخطك والنار وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل اللهم إن نسألك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم إن نعوذ بك من علم لا ينفع ومن قلب لا يخشع ومن نفس لا تشبع ومن عين لا تجمع ومن عين لا تدمع اللهم إن نعوذ بك هؤلاء الأربعة اللهم يا يا حي قيوم رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين أو الله we ask you to accept our gathering أو الله if any beneficial things were shared indeed it was from you we ask you to grant us the ability to practice on the good and to propagate the good أو الله if mistakes were made we seek forgiveness from you for that أو الله we ask you not to hold us accountable for that أو الله أو الله we ask you Allah that you are well aware of how our lifestyle is now you are well aware of our strengths and our weaknesses you are well aware of our good habits and our bad habits. Oh Allah, we're not getting any younger. As we, Every day as we get closer to our, the day we leave this world, the day we will be lowered into our grave. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant all of us the ability to bring positive changes in our lives. Oh Allah, allow us to get rid of each and every single bad habit that we have. Oh Allah, allow us to get rid of each and every single bad habit. Allow us to recognize what our evil traits are, what our evil habits are, what are those things that will keep, that will, will hold us back on the day of judgment on the bridge over Jahannam, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us to find out and re- recognize what those flaws and faults every one of us has and then allow us to sincerely repent and sincerely beg for your protection and sincerely beg for rectification from you Allah. Oh Allah grant us the means to rectify ourselves. Grant us the suhbah and the companionship that will help us become better people. Grant us such programs, such environments, such places, such gatherings that will help us become better people. Oh Allah we ask you to Allah to, to, to truly allow us to repair our broken souls Ya Allah. Oh Allah our empty souls allow us to rejuvenate the iman in there Ya Allah. Oh Allah grant islah and tarbiyah to our children, to our spouses, to our siblings, to our parents. Oh Allah, make their tazkiyah, make their tazkiyah of their hearts and souls, and make our tazkiyah of our hearts and souls, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to grant us the ability to recognize sin as sin, and enable us to stay away from it. Recognize goodness and virtue as virtue, and enable us to practice on it. Oh Allah, whatever sin is happening in the name of Islam, 
today. Allah, we ask you to grant the tawfiq for people to recognize that, the evilness of that and repent from it. Oh Allah, all the confusions in our community about, Ya Allah, halal and haram, about riba and uh, uh, about eating halal, about spending and earning in halal. Oh Allah, about getting, leading a, a life, Ya Allah, with another person in a halal manner. Oh Allah, whatever confusions, misinformation is spreading in the community. Ya Allah, misunderstandings. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, in all fronts, that do not allow us to fall for this misinformation. Oh Allah, do not allow us to become ya, misled by shayateen from the humans and shayateen from the jinn. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to allow us to protect ourselves, to be protected from the evil of the biggest enemy of ours, our own selves. Oh Allah, allow us to be protected from our own nafs. Oh Allah, allow us to be protected from our own nafs. Oh Allah, allow all of, all of us children Allow us all to become the most obedient and most loving and caring children to our parents. Those who've lost their parents. Oh Allah, allow us to do such good deeds that will be regarded as, as, as that will allow us to be still regarded as dutiful sons and daughters, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, those of us whose parents are alive, grant them long life and health. Allah put barakah in their sustenance, barakah in their life, barakah in their iman, barakah in their time, barakah in their good deeds. Oh Allah, allow them, Ya Allah, to allow all our elders and youngsters, everyone to be focused on preparing for the day we're going to be lowered into the grave and going to have to face munkar and nakir. Allah, allow us all to rectify ourselves before that day comes, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant halal sustenance to all of us. Put barakah in our sustenance. Put barakah in our sustenance. Ya Allah, protect us from having any and all forms of haram income. Protect us from losing our barakah in our income. Oh Allah, allow us to only bring halal food and halal ingredients and halal wealth to our homes, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow our children to only be fed halal, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, protect all of us from all looking at haram, listening to haram, thinking about haram, walking towards haram, holding haram. Oh Allah, in any and all forms of haram, protect us all, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, protect the Muslim ummah, wherever they may be, in any way, shape, or form, Ya Allah, difficulties that they're going through. We ask you to have mercy upon them. We will protect all our masajid and all of our madaris and all dini institutions and all dini efforts from internal and external strife, Ya Allah. Protect Darul Salaam in the madrasa, in the masjid, the volunteers, the musallis, Allah, the staff, the students, the teachers, Allah, the, the past, present, future students, Ya Allah. Allah, Allah, our patrons across the globe, whoever they may be, whoever's listening to any of these programs, Allah, we ask you to protect their iman, protect their health, protect their wealth, protect their homes, protect their children. Allah, save us from the fitna of Dajjal. Allah, save us from Dajjal and the fitna that come before the Dajjal. Allah, create unity within our homes. Put muhabba and love between parents and children. Put understanding and love between parents and children. Allah, unite the siblings' hearts. Unite the parents and the children's hearts, Ya Allah. Allah, allow sunnah and deen to come alive in our homes, Ya Allah. Allah, whatever khayr and good the Prophet had asked you of, grant us that good. Allow us all to become from amongst those people who, who follow and practice and propagate the five teachings that we've been covering for the past five weeks, Ya Allah. Allah, make every single one of us from amongst those who will be blessed to practice on all five aspects of this hadith. And make us blessed by, make us from amongst those who will invite others to do so as well and teach others to do so as well, as well Ya Allah. Subhana Rabbi Rabbil Izzati Amma Asifun Wa Salaamun Al Mursaleen Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ameen We'll perform Salatul Ishraq which is two rakah and two rakah any surah can be recited 